Matthew chapter 20. Just want to just share um, three things, three thoughts really, just briefly this morning, because the children will be coming back in in the not too distant future. And uh, it's on the theme of a mother's request. And um, there's three sort of thoughts that are linked to this mother's request that we can look at for all of us for life, whether we're a mum or a grandma in here this morning, whether we're a dad, a son, a brother, a young man, a young girl, whoever we are, there's some principles that I believe that we could lay hold of. But uh, just want to just take up this theme just for a moment or two. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. It says, um, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. Do you know what? I'll just stop there for a minute. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm showing my age um, for a moment or two. But can anyone remember something called the magic roundabout? Put your hand up if you can remember the magic roundabout. Every time, I'm going to confess something. Every time I read that scripture, right, I have, this is what's, I'm going to do something to you now. I'm probably going to spoil everything I'm about to say. Every time I read the scripture, then the mother of Zebedee, I get this picture of the magic roundabout and Zebedee going boing. If you don't know what I'm on about, you've missed something quite amazing. Go on YouTube and have a look. So I've probably just destroyed everything I'm about to say. But the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered, Jesus said to them. You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers And Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Um, I am conscious today, when we sing about Mother's Day, when we think about Mother's Day, when we pray about Mother's Day, there'll be a lot of mixed feelings amongst us. There's, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of joy and hope in the house this morning. You feel that. I feel that and sense that. And at the same time, I also know and sense that there'll maybe be a tinge of sadness amongst us as well. Some of us are missing a mum or a wife who's gone now to be with the Lord. Perhaps some of us Missing our children uh, have gone to be with the Lord. I, I am just conscious that amongst us that there can be. Some of us perhaps have, are really excited about what we're going to be doing a bit later on, having a Mother's Day meal with our family. Some of us feeling that we struggle as maybe a single parent, as a mum. So there's a mixture of feelings um, perhaps this morning. But what I want to say to you is um, that as a mum, you are significant, significant in life. And significant in the kingdom of God. I just want to just look at something just for a moment or two. 
Um, it, um, in the deep south of the USA, a conversation was overheard, and it was going on and being said in this family. I can't do it in the American accent, so you'll have to forgive me. But um, someone was saying in the family, they were lamenting the state of their family and, and what was going on. And so it's deep South America, okay? And, it, and uh, someone was eavesdropping and they heard the family talking and everything going on, large family that they had. And it went something, the lament went something like this. If daddy ain't happy, who cares? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah, and your laughter, your laughter reveals a lot. Your laughter reveals a lot. A man called Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, men are what their mothers make them. Men are what their mothers make them. I didn't say that as a joke, but if if you want to take it as one, that's fine. (laughs) Lots of people have heard of um, John and Charles Wesley. John and Charles Wesley, founders of the Methodist movement, amazing men. It's said in history that the Wesleyan revival, the Methodist revival, probably saved this nation from a revolution. We could have gone the same way as France had went with the French Revolution, but this country had a revival, a revival of religion. People were swept into the kingdom of God. And two young men, John and Charles Wesley, were sort of the founding fires of that. But not, a lot of people don't know this. Um, Susanna Wesley, their mum, was a, an amazing woman. One biographer writing about Susanna Wesley, this is John and Charles Wesley's mum, and she had a large family, probably about 15 children. And John and Charles were just two of a, a large number of children. One biographer said this about Susanna Wesley. Although she never preached a sermon or published a book or founded a church, She is known as the mother of Methodism. Why? Because two of her sons, John and Charles, as children, consciously or unconsciously, applied the example and teachings and circumstances of their home and life to their lives. Mums, you are significant today. And in this story, we read of a significant circumstance and a significant request, and a significant prayer. There's an old Spanish proverb that goes something like this. The translation back into English goes something like, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy, so it says. Mums are significant. When we read this passage that we've just read, you're apt to think, what a pushy woman. If you come back with me just a moment or two, just briefly, have a quick look. And the account that we've just read, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? Asked Jesus. And she said, grant that one of my two sons will sit on the right hand and the other on your left hand side in your kingdom. You, you could at face value begin to think to yourself, what a cheek pushing. And this is what the other 10 disciples thought, actually. They thought, what a cheek. Here she is pushing to the front, pushy, 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 pushy woman that she was, trying to elevate her sons. But in actual fact, the way that Jesus deals with her shows that she wasn't pushy at all. She was more a concerned mum. 
And Jesus doesn't rebuke her and send her away and say, you pushy woman. He actually questions her, astounded by her request, an amazing request, saying, do you really realize what you're saying? And do you think your family are up to this? So she wasn't pushy after all. She was actually more a really concerned mum, a concerned parent. I know my own mum, some years ago, um, went down. Uh, she lived, they, my family live in Cornwall. And um, this would be a few, few years back. We always seem to be talking about the weather in our country. But this particular year, there was particularly bad snow. And I went and picked my mum up, and they spent some time with us, and my mum and dad uh, at our house, and Helen and I. And then um, from Long Eaton, dropped them back in Cornwall. And on the way back, my mum said to me, bearing in mind I'm probably about 40, I don't know, I would have been about 46 at the time. She said to me, well, don't forget, when you get home, you know, ring me up. When, as soon as you get in the house, I like a call. Let me know how you're getting on. I want to make sure that you're back okay, etc., etc." And... Uh, I said to her, no, I'm all right, don't worry about it. There's no snow on the road, it's going to be okay. I've driven miles, I used to live in Aberdeen. I've driven from Aberdeen to Birmingham, it's 400 miles. It's like the end of the world, almost. I've driven around a lot. But my mum said, well, I'm your mum. I'm just concerned, and I'll always be your mum. And here I was at 46 years of age, uh, sort of just, I suppose, not belittling it, but but when I got home, um, she rang, because I didn't ring in time, uh, just to make sure... (laughs) It's, it's some years ago now. It was a few years ago. But, you know, it's a concerned mum. That's what I'm getting at. You're always a mum. And um, there'll always be something on your heart. Any parent will always feel that, whether you're a mum or a dad, and you're here, here. If you're a single parent, if you're a mum and a dad, you, you always will feel that sense of love and care and concern. It's amazing when we read in the Bible that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll always love us. At this men's conference, we were reminded that God will always love us. And as a parent, you'll always have this something with your children. And this was a concerned parent, a concerned mum. So she comes to Jesus. A couple of things we see about this concerned um, lady. A significant, out of her concern comes significance. Um, we see, first of all, um, she's spiritually aware. She's spiritually aware. It says in verse 20 there, it says, Then a mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked him a favor. Kneeling down. Another translation says, and kneeling worshipped him. The Amplified Version translates the, the, the translation in its completion, in its fullness, and it adds something that is in the actual original text. It says, and kneeling worshipped him. She wasn't just, in the NIV, you would think she's just kneeling. Um, and in those days, people um, honored teachers, so you would kneel at the feet of a teacher. She was doing more than just kneeling at the feet of a teacher, and another translation shows us this. She, she was kneeling in worship. This lady knew the significance of who Jesus was. She was spiritually aware. Um, to her, there was more to life than what you see. Jesus had been talking about, if in the context of this passage, in verse 17, he talks about that he will soon be leaving this world and the cup that he's about to drink would be his death. And in, in this context, this lady realizes that there's something more than, Jesus is more than just a teacher. Could this be the son of God? She, she became aware of the spiritual dimension to life. And, uh, you know, in the age and the world in which we live, which talks about work-life balance, we need to get our work-life balance right. You know, you need to get your leisure time right. You need to get your work right. You need to get the balance in life right. 
This lady, this mum, had also another understanding. She had a spirit life balance as well. You don't hear so many people talk about the spirit life balance. The buzzword today will be work-life balance, and so it should be, and so it should be true. And so we should get that balance to life. But this lady had an awareness. You see, life was more than what you saw and what you got. Life was more than just the material, what we see in the here and now. There was more to life. I've met a lot of people over the years that will say there's more to life than just this. And so they'll go and escape to the country. There's even TV programs, Escape to Another Country, where you can not only go to the countryside, but go to another part of the world. People want to get out the rat race. But at the end of the day, no matter where you get out of, I'm still a rat. All of us are still a rat. And um, there's this understanding that there's more to life. And this, uh, so this lady saw this. And so she knelt and worshipped at Jesus' feet. There's something for us to lay hold of this morning about the, the spirit life balance in all of our lives. And for Christians as well. I'm, I may be speaking to many of us this morning and say, well, I know that. I'm a Christian. Duh. I know that. But hey, the world in which we live um, can really increase and encroach on your life to the point that there are now many Christians that don't have a good spirit life balance. There are, I meet many Christians that don't have a good spirit life balance. So there is this aspect of this. And, and, and so she comes and she, she gives a request. She gives a request to Jesus and she says that my sons might be part of your kingdom. She says there, the first thing I want to say is this, grant that one of these sons will, be, uh, will sit on your one side and one on the other side, um, and that they will be part of your kingdom. She prayed, she requested, that her sons might be part of the kingdom. She had a spirit life balance. She understood that the spirit side of life was just as important as getting your degree, getting a great job, getting, uh, having everything in the world, uh, Having all of the finances that you need, a great home and a great life, these are all great things. These are perhaps good aspirations as well. But that wasn't just it. There was also something else in life. There was something about knowing God and having a relationship with God. You know, in the Bible, it talks about having gained the whole world, will we lose our soul? We can have everything in life, material, but what about that which is inside of the spirit? And so she understood this. And so her first request was she prayed that her sons might be part of the kingdom. What a great request. What a great prayer for our children. What a great prayer for our lives to pray that they might, we might be part of the kingdom. I was the first person to become a Christian in my family. I became a Christian at around about the age of, um, I've got to remember, it's a long time ago now, uh, 50 this year, so I was 20 years of age when I became a Christian. Brought up in a very nominally Catholic background, my dad being Italian, my mum being English, uh, but never had any religious sort of upbringing, as it were, so-called. But I became a Christian, and, I, and then my mum and one of my brothers... I have uh, four bro- three brothers, and one of my brothers and then my mum became a Christian. And I had another brother, and this other brother suffered um, with compulsive tendencies, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And for three or four years, my mum prayed for my brother. When she became a Christian, she prayed that he would find God and know God and cried. I went to visit my brother one day when he was living in a bedsit, and I sat on the side of a bed, and this wasn't the young guy that I knew when I was a young man, was a young boy. He was 
a different type of person. It wasn't the brother that I knew. And so my mum prayed for him for about four years, interceded every day. And uh, she had this, uh, my mum came into an understanding of the kingdom. And uh, my brother, later on, he and his wife became Christians. They were swept into the kingdom of God. I won't go into the full story. I don't have time. But he did. My brother became a, a Christian and his wife were swept into the kingdom of God. Helen and I were there that night when they decided that they needed to make a commitment to God. Um, in, uh, it was in Cornwall many, many years ago. And uh, it was because, like this, this lady, she prayed about the Spirit, that they might be part of the kingdom. It's a powerful thing to pray that our friends, our family, our children, the people around us may know God and come into his kingdom. It's a great prayer. Not just a mum's prayer. It's a prayer for us all to understand the realm of the spirit. Second thing that I want to say is this, and to lay hold of our lives. The second thing that she, she requested and she prayed was that she prayed that her sons would not only come into the kingdom, but they'd also be involved. She said that pray that one will be on your right side and one on the left side of you. She wasn't just um, happy that they would just come into the kingdom of God, be Christians. She wanted more than that. She didn't want them just to be somebody that came along. She wanted them some, some, someone to be involved and followed Jesus Christ with their utter lives. Interesting that, isn't it? The Bible says that the, a church, the church is a body, um, a hand, a foot, an eye, the heart, the head, um, the legs. You know, you know, we, we are a body, we're not left um, at the side. Um, there's this idea of being involved in and with each other. You don't, we don't just come along to sit at the, at the sidelines. If, you're a, if you like football, if you're into football, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be lost on you. Uh, for some of you, you might be very happy about this. Uh, a team called Manchester United were knocked out of the Champions League because they lost a team player. Oh, it's a big, 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 big thing, isn't it? Big thing in the news. For some of you looking at me, say, what news? <laughs> Not on your agenda, perhaps. But it's been a big thing in the news. And what happened was um, uh, one footballer on Man United's uh, side uh, was red-carded and sent off. And there's a debate whether a red-card or not. But anyway, cut long story short, this guy came off and Manchester United lost the match because they're a team. And this guy, the position that he played in, uh, they had more ground to cover. Other people had to run further because this guy wasn't there and they had to cover his space. And so they were stretched. And, and to cut long story, they lost the game because they're a team. And um, the kingdom of God is just like that. We don't sit on the bench. We don't sit out outside. Um, this lady prayed. She understood that it's about not only being a, in the kingdom, but it's about being involved and uh, we play our part. That's an amazing prayer. That's an amazing aspiration. And that's for us all this morning. That is a principle for us all. Not only to be a Christian, and thank you, God, my name's in the book of life, I'm going to heaven, but I'm part of the body, and therefore I am involved, and to be part of the body of Christ. And thirdly and finally, so she prayed that her sons would be in the kingdom. She prayed that the sons would be in the kingdom and be involved. She had a spiritual awareness, something we can lay hold of. And finally, she had big expectations. Have a look at this. She had great expectations. There's a book there somewhere. Well, it's already been written. 
Maybe I could write another one, perhaps, one day. But she had great expectations. Look at this. She says there, not only do I want them to be in the kingdom with you, Jesus, but she says an amazing statement. She says there, grant that one of these sons of mine will sit at the right of you and the other on the left of you in the kingdom. And Jesus says, wow, do you realize what you're saying? I can't grant, only God can grant that. And then the other 10 disciples were really upset saying, hang on a minute, who are you to be right up there with, the, with Jesus? This lady had great expectations, big expectations. She wanted her boys to excel. To excel is to be the best you can be in God. Some people say this is pushy. This is a pushy parent in the schoolyard that is pushing their children um, past all that. It's not the case at all. She wanted her sons to be the best they could be in God. Some years ago, I was in a meeting, and a man called Reinhard Bunke, a German evangelist, was speaking in Aberdeen. And he spoke on the theme of Euphrates' promise. The Euphrates is a river in the Middle East. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 17, God promised Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, verse 17, God promised Abraham that he would give from the rivers of Egypt up to the great Euphrates all of the land to Israel. Have a look on a map how big that is, because that's massive. The Euphrates is a very northern river into the Middle East. The Israelite people never, ever got to that point where their land went to the river Euphrates. When they invaded the promised land, they settled. They got bogged down. They took a lot. They were blessed and took a lot and did really well. But they never pushed to the maximum that God had promised them. And so Reinhard Bonke, I'll never forget this, said there is elasticity in the promises of God. And sometimes we hinder God by our expectations are so limited. We're so frightened to press into what God wants for us. Not that we're big-headed, but we have, not that we're big-headed people, but that we have a big God and that we become God-headed. We need to be God-headed people. In other words, our expectations are in the promises of what God has for us. And the danger can be that we can settle for something less. It can be good. It can be even quite nice. It could be quite great. But God has promises for us. Have a look on a map. I haven't got time, but it's in, if you look on a, a map of the area, you'll see that they settled for a lot less land, about that much, when they could have had, look, about that much. They settled back. So I'm not saying we should be pushy, big-headed, but that we should be God-headed. In that sense, God-expectation in our hearts. A man called William Carey, and with this I finish. William Carey, the great Baptist missionary, said these amazing words. He penned these words as he was um, addressing an auditorium of several thousand people. And this, the Baptist Missionary Alliance, was founded. The first modern missionary outreach was founded in this country two or three hundred years ago. He said, pen these words on expectation. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Excellence is not being big-headed or pushy. Excellence defined is expecting the great things of God and attempting the very best that we can do in God. Attempting great things, expecting great things. That's excellence. And this mum, she had great expectations that her boys would excel 
in God. And so should we. So should we of our children and our lives. Uh, That's not putting anything on them, but in God, praying that they will be all that God wants them they could be. But you and I praying that you can be all that God wants you and could be. Do not settle back for anything less. If we settle and make do, well, that's exactly what you'll be served up. A make-do meal. I tell you what, make-do meals are in the news at the moment. They're in the news. Make-do quick meals are in the news and they're not too good for you. We don't want make-do meals and quick meals. We want the best and excel in what God has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for mums. Thank you for dads too. Thank you for single parents. Thank you for grandmas. Thank you for every person here this morning. And we celebrate your great mercy, your good love. And we just say, Lord, we want to be the people that you want us to be. And uh, I pray for those that are feeling sad today. And I pray for those that are feeling incredibly happy today that, God, you will lift up all, lift up all in your wonderful loving arms this day and in your mighty power, we pray. Amen. Amen.